The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Uh, yes, fans, it is Saturday evening and we're recording because uh, both of us have a busy day on Sunday. Uh, we are just out of the All-Star break with the Bruins uh, playing <clears throat> modestly improved uh, team hockey. Modestly improved. Interesting way to put it. Uh, it was certainly entertaining hockey uh, for different reasons. Tonight against Minnesota, they seem to be showcasing, well, the power play for one thing. Uh, and certain bottom six players. But yeah. Yes. Uh, last night, the entertainment factor was uh, slightly ratcheted up. What was it? The, it? It's the first time they've had four fighting majors in a game since like a year ago or something like that. Uh, even Carson Kuhlman got in on the act. Uh, I was expecting David Krejci to drop the gloves with someone by the end of the night. It was, no, it I, was, I, I couldn't see that. Sorry. I it, mean, was it was a nice. glorious hockey game. It was even nice to he, see Brandon Carlo beat down uh, Bork. And Brad Marchand's little tete uh, tete was uh, gorgeous. I mean, have people not seen his recent fights? He's A, strong, and B, fast. And that's a bad combination to go up against when you're fighting. <laughs> the, the thing is that with that particular game, and I don't want to get too caught up in it, it was a, but like Carson Kuhlman hit some – all of the fighting that's the thing that seemed to be me. generated from hits that were legal hits. Good, clean, real hockey hits that McAvoy both sides were delivering. Out. McAvoy cleaned out. Was it Line or Shifley? I don't remember which. It doesn't matter. I think, I think he cleaned Shifley. out Shifley, and then uh, Pionk uh, took offense. But if you go and ask Mark Shifley, he was. It was a clean hit, mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it, I said it before. There were maybe there might have been two questionable hits in last night's game, and. They're just that questionable, not clearly five gamer um, questionable. And they weren't that bad. And it wasn't until the third fight that it wasn't until what? Mar- was it Marchand or Marchand's I fight? Marchand I had the second fight. Marchand had the second fight. And they gave did they give him the instigator two five ten? Honestly, the instigators in last night's game were exactly the reason the instigator should go away. Yes, I I would be hard pressed to find and anything that could be determined an unprovoked glove dropping by one side. Um, Do I necessarily think that the the clean hit fights should have happened? No. Well, uh, do I think that they had to happen? No. Uh, But. It's not like one person was standing there with their gloves on and their hands over their face uh, trying to get the other guy to go away. Gloves came off pretty much simultaneously for everyone. Um, I didn't like any of the – I did not like at all the instigators. And it was clear – and I know that Jack said it too, but I'll say it anyway. It was clear that the officials were using the instigator to try and regain control of what was going on. And I can understand it, but you know what? Give them a five-minute unsportsmanlike instead. Uh, add that on. 
and call it a day. Because uh, I think taking someone off the ice for an additional 12 minutes because both sides are playing equally hard, um, eh, I think it's a little silly. Um, that's, yeah. That said, uh, the other thing I will there say was, is there that was one. There was one time the instigator and they it, it, the instigator was called once that I actually felt it was appropriate. And Which that one? was that was the Carson Coleman one, because he did not see uh, Perot. He after he finished his check, Perot he didn't see Perot coming. It was clearly he got his gloves off, but Perot was already in fight mode before oh, he, he got. Yeah. So that was that the one, one time that I could actually see them calling it. That one, I guess, makes sense. The the other ones, though, I thought, no, just no. stop. It was, yeah, it was foolish. Um, and, and Jack was actually calling for it in the Pionk fight before they came back from the commercial break. And he went, oh, yeah. And, and, and no, I'm sorry. It was Brick that said they both got their gloves off. He talked to them. They they engaged together. But Jack was actually calling for the instigate. Jack, I, I know Jack, Jack is, is tired. I know he's hired to get everybody worked up, but uh, slow down, Jack. <laughs> um, but honestly, we weren't going to talk about that, except for the fact that it was just great hockey. I oh, yeah, genuinely believe that the Bruins-Jets game was one of the three or four best regular season games I've seen in the past four or five years. It was intense controlled, balanced, 200-foot hockey. But it was also competitive. Going at it. It was competitive. It wasn't one-sided. It wasn't wasn't like the Jets were fighting to try and get themselves going because they were down, like tonight, four to nothing. Or because they were angry at themselves, yeah. That game ended two to one on a goal scored in the third period by Jake DeBrusque. What was it, halfway through the third or maybe yeah. five minutes into the third, something like that? I, that was a hugely competitive game. It, it, it was the way hockey should be played. I don't like having I don't like guys having to fight after a clean after a clean hit. But some of those hits uh, were brutal. I mean, they were clearly through the body. I was expecting someone to challenge Grizzlick after his <laughs> old school hip check right on the boards. That was that brilliant. Button. I love that. Like legitimately kids, if you're watching, if you're trying to figure out how to do a hip check, that was gorgeous. That, that was, was beautiful. Hip check 101 right there. That that literally clinical display of hip checking. Beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's dive into the rest. Where do you want to start tonight? Uh, Ovi catches pasta briefly. Okay, then. Since we're we're talking about Bruins, we'll segue into a little bit of Bruins, and then we'll get away from it. uh, Friday night uh, ended with uh, Alex Ovechkin, who is now up to number eight in the all-time scoring race, uh, goal-scoring race, uh, catching David Pasternak, who has led the league most of the year in goals. Um, And it 
only took until about midway through the second period, I believe it was, for Pasternak to break that tie. Uh, so mm, less than 24 hours. Uh, I mean, is Ove- should we call Ovechkin prophetic since he wears number eight and he's now eighth all-time in scoring? Um, he's probably going to have to lower that jersey number a couple of times before he's done. Okay. Fair uh, enough. I know you and I talked about this probably a year ago, a year and a half ago. I still believe he can actually catch Gretzky. That that's going to take some doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's out of the realm of possibility, but 199 more goals. Um, even if you were to score a goal a game for an entire season, it would take two and a half seasons. Um, he, yeah, I mean, based and, on current numbers, he would need to score 33 goals a year for the next six years on average. Do you think that Ovechkin has two more 50 goal seasons in him? Um, not counting this year based on how well he's doing this year. And yes, he's in second place, but there's multiple 30 goal scorers already this year. What's he at now? 33, 37. He's 37? Yeah. Wow. Mm, oh, no, age or, age or... Um, age. I know he's at 37 goals. Oh, uh, I want to say he's 34 off the top of my head. Let me grab uh, the number. I want to say he's either 33 or 34. My question, my thing is, he's not going to be... As much as I love watching him, I don't... I don't know that he's going to be a productive at 38 that he is now. Uh, yeah, but 40. everyone said he wasn't going to be productive at 34. Well, they were <laughs> or clear, 30. Clearly they were wrong. Um, he turn, He won't turn 35 until September. Um, so I – yeah, I have to genuinely believe that this is in reach for him. Um, it basically – I can't see him not hitting 50 this year, which means potentially we have three 50 goal scorers this year, maybe even four. Wait, Um, wait, 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 wait. His contract expires next season. You don't think that they're going to trade him away next season? (laughs) It it doesn't matter. Even if they do trade him, they're not trading him away. I'm just, I'm, I'm messing with you. I just think, I don't know. I, I would like to see him do it. I would like to see somebody, uh, Somebody challenged Gretzky's numbers. In fact, Gretzky has actually come out and said that he thinks that Ovi might be able to catch him and that he would. I think he said he would like to see him try. Uh, not in a challenging sort of way, but in a he would enjoy watching that yeah. sort of way. Right now we have Pasternak at 38 goals. Yeah. Ovechkin at 37, Austin Matthews at 36. All three of those guys are likely to hit 50 goals this season. You think? It's almost impossible that all three of them won't at least hit 40. Oh, 40, absolutely. Uh, 40 could happen for all three of them. And not the very far week. behind them are Eichel and McKinnon at 31 and 30. There are five 30-goal scorers already this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were counting the number of 40 goal scorers, if you remember. It was a lot. (laughs) I believe it was somewhere between 12 and 17. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, Sebastian Ajo has 25 goals. Kyle Connor has 25. Connor McDavid and Artemi Panarin are at 27. And then some guy named uh, Leon Dreisaitl is at 29. We're uh, oh, we're that looking German at double guy. Digit. I like him. We're looking at double digit. Uh, we're looking at probably double digit guys north of 40 goals again. Again, two years I would, in a row. I would I would be inclined to agree. I'd also be inclined is this to agree. 1985 that again. <laughs> we're gonna have. You have the potential to get. I don't know, close to double digit. 100 point guys. That's going to be harder. Yeah. I, I think we might see Jai six Sadel, or seven. Jai Sadel and, and McDavid both have 50, 50, five, zero, 50 assists each. They're at 79, 79 and 77 points already. Yeah. But that's the issue. They play together. Um, there's not many other guys who are they playing actually, with someone else in the top. They actually don't play on the same line. Uh, I think they play they play the power play together, but they, they don't play, play on the, the same play line. Together, but I'm without even looking at the numbers, I'm willing to say that a lot of their goals and assists come on the power play. Like yes, that's why James. That's why James Neal is having a resurgence. Ugh, him. Yeah, him. James the re what are they the real the deal? Real deal. James Neal. Oh, yeah. okay. I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the nickname. <laughs> well, you're allowed to mess up the nickname as long as you don't mess up his hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what is what is James looking at this season? Uh actually, he he must have cooled off. He's only at 29 points, 19 goals, 10 assists. Uh, I will say that it's a heck of a lot better than last season with the Calgary yeah, That Flames. takes no doing whatsoever. <laughs> no doing. I don't know what happened in Calgary. He just didn't like being there or what. But Now, explain something to me, and I don't uh, want to I get lost try. too far in this, but James Neal <clears throat> has 19 goals, 10 assists. I just said that. Yep. 29 points. He is a minus 21. Mm-hmm. Um, defense not the strong suit here, or um, his the whole deck, team defense his deck not- doesn't have the defensive uh, suit in it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Okay, I just I was looking at it. I'm like he's a he's a 29 points, but he's a minus 21. That's that's incredible, honestly. That's not. <laughs> wow. Okay, then no. Um. So Pasta, uh, uh, Pasta got it back tonight. He got his 38th goal. I would love to see Obi challenge, from, yes. Not to take away from Pasternak's goal, mm-hmm. but that was about as easy a goal as you're going to get with the goaltender in net. <laughs> okay. There were The goaltender was halfway down. There were nine or so bodies within – a foot of the blue paint, including at least four in the blue paint. And the puck essentially just sort of rolled towards him. And all he had to do was tuck it up uh, over the bodies. But my understanding is that the rule, my understanding is the rule reads, they don't ask how 
They only ask how many. I ask how. Oh, okay. Well, if you're going to ask how, then how would you like to move on to another story? <laughs> Carefully, so we don't get sidetracked again. Okay. Where are we heading? Uh, let's talk Let's talk about the coyotes. All right. I was wondering how long we were going to let this go because I'm mm. – uh, See, I have this thing where some people believe I have this uh, – I don't know, inability to pay attention to authority or innate disrespect for authority. No, no, no. And I don't really care that they think that, but... Oh, well, there you go. This particular story is one of those things that just sort of has me scratching my head. Um, the NHL, uh, this is from CBS Sports. Uh, Gabriel Fernandez uh, wrote it on the 30th. Um, the NHL is investigating the Arizona Coyotes for, uh, and this is this involves a report from Drager, uh, Darren Drager, uh, that the Arizona Coyotes were administering illegal fitness uh, or physical tests to young prospects prior to the draft combine. Um, one. Why is it illegal to give these kids additional physicals up to a certain limit? Like taking them away from their team 32 times so that every single team can run a physical on them seems a little bit silly. But I would handle it like college visits, you know, uh, like they do for college recruiting. You know, you get a certain number. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's five teams that you can agree to work out for. Call it a day. Two. Why is the league spending time investigating something for a team that's been terrible for <laughs> over a decade? Um, if they've been doing this for long, it hasn't clearly hasn't worked. Um, uh, what advantage, literally what advantage have they gotten out of this? Please name me one of their prospects that has come close to winning a Calder trophy in their first year in the league. Uh, hmm. Well, you completely skipped over my question, and my question out of all of this is, why just Arizona? I, I mean, have they done something in the past to give the league or the league officials or whoever reason to believe that they're doing it again mm-hmm. uh, vis-a-vis the New England Patriots? I've never heard of any uh, – testing that they've done prior to this particular uh, investigation. And it says here that the league rules state they can't administer fitness tests to draft eligible players until after the draft combine. Um, okay, so now we've worked them out, worked them to the bone, poked, prodded, and, and, and done everything we possibly can to them. Hold on, I'm going to bring them in now and do it all over again. See, no. I, I, I like I, I literally don't understand what they think is the or what the league's position is on why this is bad. This feels like a rule for the sake of having a rule or possibly to keep the rich teams from uh, getting an advantage on the poor teams. 
What kills Arizona, me is that not particularly well off. What kills me though, it, it's not even what they've done. It, it, Arizona's first round pick this season traded to the Devils for Taylor Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Jersey gets the pick. So their rationale is that either the Coyotes participated in illegal pre-draft activities to help their scouts decide who to pick in the second round, or their lack of draft capital works in their favor as a sign of the team's innocence. Uh, yeah. Um, so you're accusing the team of running these pre-draft things and going, you know, we're going to take this kid in the second round. We could turn around and deal the first round pick and get us Taylor Hall as a rental. If I'm going to give up a first round pick. Yeah, I know. No. And here's the other thing. Just no. Here's the other part of that that makes no flipping sense to anyone who can tie their own damn shoes. Let's just say based on current the current NHL standings and the Coyotes are back to within screaming distance of an actual playoff spot again. But um yeah. Assume for a minute that the Arizona let's see right now Arizona is in 18th place in the league. If they actually draft at that number, that means they are in the second round. They're going to be the 49th pick four nine. So every single year, every single year that I have watched the draft, studied the draft uh, guides, paid attention to all of the conversation, um, looked at footage of players. There have been at least three, at least three off the board picks in the first 40 or so picks. By the time you get to pick 49, Mm -hmm. you're talking the odds that the person that you are expecting to draft towards the middle or later in that second round is still there unless it's a super, unless it's a reach from there for most teams or in most scouting scouting guides, like the person is expected to be drafted in the fourth or fifth round and you're taking them in the second. It's, ex, it's extraordinary like extraordinarily likely that that person is not going to be there or that someone better, maybe two someone's better are going to have slipped down or rated better. I have are going to have slipped down in the draft and that you might take one of those players as well or instead. Yeah. 50, 49 plus 49 players or 48 players ahead of your draft position times eight or 900 players who have a realistic expectation of being drafted is a whole lot more variables than I care to do the math on. Even if you limit it to just to players who would expect to be drafted before the middle of the fourth round, that's still 400 or so guys. Well, I can tell you that if they, <clears throat> if they were to pick at 40, at 49, that was their first pick because they dealt away their first round pick because they did all of these tests. Um, going back to 
the 2011 draft, mm-hmm. pick number 49, has appeared in the NHL. What's that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drafts. All right, let's do 2010 so we can get nice, even 10 drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick number 49 has appeared in the NHL six out of the 10 times. Mm-hmm. Now, clearly, the last two drafts. Uh, it's too early to tell. It's too early to tell. So if, even if you start back at 2017, Mario Ferraro with San Jose, uh, the biggest name is probably 2015, Rupe Hintz with Dallas. Okay, that's he's a legitimate NHL player. I expect him to be around um, more than 400 games. Go ahead. Go back to the 2010 draft, pick 49, Calvin Pickard, who has um, – Floated around a bit. Uh, professional wanderer. Um, he's now currently, I believe, in the Dallas system. Uh, somebody named Christopher Gibson, another goaltender. He's appeared 14 times. Uh, I don't even know if he's still with L.A., but he was drafted by L.A. So uh, what you're saying now, based it, on what we know of the Coyotes GM assuming <laughs> assuming of course that he is directly involved or even indirectly involved and aware of this are you do you think he's actually foolish enough to court uh, censure by the league for a chance at drafting one of you know 60 players uh, in the 49th spot for a hit or miss, I mean, yeah. you look at some, and if you look at some of the names that surround the 49th pick, I mean, some of them are, are interesting. I mean, you got a Matthew Nieto, you got some guy named Brett Ritchie was picked yep. at 44. Um, Boston has selected in the 40s a few times, but then you got guys like John Gibson was taken 39th. I mean. Mm-hmm. So if you range from, say, 39 to 50 or 40 to 50, the hit or miss, the the chances you're taking by saying, you know what, we're going to go and test these guys so that we can trade that first round pick and we'll 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 try to make up for it with the second. The hit or misses is just to me and I imagine it would be to John Jacob. It seems uh, inconsistent. A little too done. A little too varied, a little too outside the realm of, of security for me that I would get somebody NHL ready, uh, even if it's not potential superstar, potential star, potential uh, anything. I mean, it's just way too hit or miss. It, it doesn't make sense in any way to me. I don't think the rule as currently constructed makes sense. Um, and, and I, I just I, baffled. And I firmly believe that it, it, it's kind of like, again, the whole thing with the, the, the videos in the NFL. Every team does it. They just either don't get caught or because they're not doing this or that, they're not getting investigated. Or, or Major League Baseball and electronic sign stealing because that's somehow worse than – visually looking at the guy and stealing the signs for something done in front of 20 to 70,000 people. I, I don't know how they pick and choose 
And it doesn't seem right. They need to, if you're going to investigate one team, you need to send out, because what did they, according to this story, they sent out emails. Hold on. They sent the emails. The the NHL sent emails. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The Ontario, yeah, the Ontario Hockey League, Western Hockey League, and the Q each sent emails asking their respective junior teams to come forward. If yeah. the Coyotes make any contact, why are they specifically identifying the Coyotes? I don't get it. Are they just trying to make an example of the Coyotes because, you know, punishing a bad team and making them worse for two or three years is somehow going to improve the league? But that's the thing is, is the Coyotes are being successful this year. They're in a playoff spot. They're still in a playoff spot. They're in the second wild card spot. Yes, they've dropped off a little, but they've definitely been better this year. Is it like that player who suddenly hits 40 home runs? Now they start testing him for PEDs because, oh, my God, he can't possibly suddenly just be have a really good season. He can't possibly just for some reason be seeing the ball better. It's got to be he's he's juicing or he's doing something illegal. This team can't be better. They must have been doing something illegal. It, I, 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 I'm not buying it. I I just can't even. It's just no. Thank you. If, if they're doing something that's actually directly, immediately harmful to – uh, to players or their own person or their own off ice personnel. Yeah. Go bring the hammer down, uh, leave a dent under where that person or people or the people involved used to be and splatter them over a three County area. But no, no, just no. And that's where we're leaving this one before I start swearing. Yeah. But since we're on the West Coast and this one doesn't really require a whole lot of and, – and to be honest, I didn't even see the play. But San, San Jose has suffered yet another setback. Um, Thomas Hurtle is out for the season. Uh, there, He's scheduled to have surgery on Monday to repair ACL, MCL – damage in his knee that's uh that's gonna be tough i mean he we're still uh i mean this is gonna be the first week of february if everything goes right it's first time he's ever been named to the all-star team he had himself what four or five goals in the all-star game yep uh but They've also he he only he was he was named there because Couture was out hurt. By the way, so they haven't had Couture, yep. who's still out with his broken broken leg break broken ankle. Okay. Now they lost Hurdle with his knee. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timo Meyer is not having a Timo Meyer season. Mm-hmm. Uh Two of your better forwards are north of forty. Your goaltender is struggling. Your, your starting goaltender, who's had decent seasons, is struggling mightily. Uh, you're being generous again, but go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at what point do you decide that it's time to push the plunger and make call it a day? Boom. 
Um, clearly, we haven't reached that point yet. Um, looking uh, back at the league standings, the San Jose Sharks are 26th. Wait, don't tell me. Still in a playoff spot? Oh, wait, no, they're not. 26th in the league. They own one of the worst uh, goal differentials in the league at minus 38. Um, there, there is – wait, there is one team worse. Oh, there's there, two. There two no, there's two teams worse. New Jersey Devils. Um, at, at minus 48. And the Detroit Red Rings, say who it, might as say well it. just be relegated. <laughs> minus 93. I'm not even sure how that's possible. Like, in the NHL, given the number of very bad goalies and minus, bad for everyone. They've scored 111 goals, and they've allowed 204. Like yes, they have. Minus, uh, they have scored. They have allowed the most goals of anyone in the league. Like to compare them to the Washington Capitals, who are first in the league in uh, overall right now. The Capitals have scored. Have allowed 154 goals, and what? Uh, and the Detroit Red Wings in the same or one more game have allowed 50 plus more goals. <laughs> That's <laughs> there's really not a lot you can do there. Wait, I, mean, I do have an I do have a negative stat about Washington. So you br- since you brought it up, they have allowed the most shorthanded goals in the NHL, which is probably not a good sign for them winning the cup. Uh, I I tend to think that the President's Trophy is a bad sign, um, but we'll it will delve into that later. Yeah, okay. minus um, ninety three. I know that it's off topic, but wow. <laughs> I mean, there's. Like, you can't even make jokes about that anymore. <laughs> I think it's, it's a joke in and of itself. It writes itself. I, don't I, know mean, what I mean, by the end of the season, are they going to be minus as many goals as they actually score? Because uh, they're not far off from that. They're pretty the close season. now. What are you talking about? End of the season. End of the end of February. Um. Okay then. Well, oh, it, does, it does suck for San Jose ha- losing both Hurdle and having Couture. He's not, as far as I know, close to back yet. Um, with the deadline approaching, I think that uh, who's the I don't even, GM out there? I think they've got some serious soul searching to do now. Uh, do you deal off sent Joe Thornton? I actually read somewhere that he's. Possibly amenable to being traded away. Everybody. I don't think there's anybody on that team that uh, isn't safe. 27. Hmm? Trade everyone over the age of 27 and probably everyone over the age of 25. You can get a return for them that's more than a third round pick. They should be gone. That means Logan Couture. It means Evander Kane. It means uh, Meyer and Car- Mel- uh, Melker Carlson. Listen to you. It means Evander Kane. If they're going to trade Evander Kane. Evander Kane is probably the <sighs> going to get them the biggest return. Yes, Doug Wilson. Years at a reasonable at a reasonable for his talent. I'm going to uh, say, what did they? He's he just signed a contract. What was it last season? Yeah, seven seven mil for six more years. Uh, we um, need to trade Burns. I think the Bruins need to. I think the Bruins need to try to find a way to free up some cap space. 
he's a left wing. It's going. Oh, uh, to- we don't need one of those. Can we teach somebody to be a right winger? Now, if they could, if they could pry loose uh, Melker Carlson, eh, I'm not convinced Melker Carlson's an answer. I'd, re- I, you know, who they should go after. And again, this is another topic for another time. Andre Kasha from. Him, I do like. Um, but he's had health issues too. Yeah, he's had concussion issues. Yeah, agree. Uh, but you've got one, two, three. You've only got three. No movement clauses or no trade clauses in your forward group, which is an amazingly no, low number. Unfortunately, you have three in your defense out of seven, which is also which is an amazingly bad number. Wait, wait, are two of them uh, some guy named Burns and some guy named Carlson? Yes. Ah. And the third one actually makes sense for the team because it's Mark Edward Vlasic. Uh, although yeah. At thirty-two and seven million a year, mm, I don't um, know. I mean, still, if he's still the shutdown defenseman that he's been, uh, you have to kind of consider it anyway. I mean, he'd be too expensive for the Bruins, but yeah, there's no way he'd fit into their current structure. But uh, maybe a team like, actually, a team like Buffalo, if they could get their hands on Mark Edward Vlasic, that resets the dynamic there. Um, and I mean, Toronto, he's way out of what they can afford without trading one of their big three. We've and talked about that in the past and there's, they, I don't know how, there's no possible way that Toronto can make it work at, as currently constituted and hope to win a cup because they don't have defense and their goaltending is breaking down. I feel bad for Fred Anderson because he's just, uh, He's going to get abused for the rest of the year. <laughs> okay. Seattle. Seattle? Wait, wait, Seattle. Wait. I heard some rumors about Seattle, but go ahead. Um, one, there is a – there is a leak – a leaked name that would make the team the Kraken, which <laughs> – No. I, apparently someone unleashed it, so uh, we're we're gonna go with that. And of all of the widely popular names that have that people have come up with, uh, or at least long term rumored mm-hmm. names for Seattle, I think that's probably the least objectionable to me as a sports fan. Really? Okay. Is Seattle Sockeye? It's, no, that makes me screams, want to vomit. It screams gimmicky, is what it says here. Um, Kraken is not necessarily a great name. On the other hand, what do you have to do to not be the worst uh, name in the league? You have to be better than Minnesota Wild and better than Columbus Blue Jackets. (laughs) That's it. Okay. I'm with you on the Wild. Literally, that's it. And you Um, say Kraken is better than Wild? Kraken at least gives you an image something that you can focus on. Uh, wild is sort of an idea ish. Maybe. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, Columbus blue jackets, I guess that's a fashion accessory or something. I don't know. I dislike pattern. Uh, who, who wrote this again? This was written by Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times. 
And it says, when will we get a team name and what to expect in the expansion draft? Hmm. Oh, yeah. The Russian machine never breaks uh, has the has the story about uh, the potential leak. Oh, the leak. That's what I was looking for. My apologies. So the Kraken is what? Some sort of combination of, of, of like an octopus and. Or is it just an octopus? Uh, it's. It depends on which versions you're you're looking at. It's a deep, it's a scary, scary sea monster. Is is enough? Anyone who's actually curious can go look it up, and they'll find four or five. Uh, they'll find two or three different versions. Um, Weren't they supposed to announce the name at the All Star game? Yeah, it it appears that they're having legal issues with whatever name it is that they picked. That is, according to their Twitter feed, not the Kraken. Um, I can't see where the legal issues would be with Kraken, so maybe it isn't. Well, there's a rum company um, that might object, but. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But to me, that would be more of a marketing opportunity. Just saying. Uh, it, it would be a little bit compa- uh, It would be a little bit iffy. Just saying. <laughs> um, going back to the Seattle Times article, um, yeah. someone asked uh, about expansion and foot players, and our very very good friend Jeff Baker. Jeff Baker took the opportunity to basically say that holding on to Dumba is a dumb dumb move. Um, and that giving up anything to to hold on to him is sort of uh, foolish. So now, is he trying to he, say that is he trying to say that the Wild should let Dumba go in the expansion draft so that Seattle can get him? He it he might as well come out and say that because it certainly doesn't take much reading between the lines. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um. The uh, money quote, uh, if you're going to stretch your money that far and intend never to touch it again, um, most youngsters are rarely the second coming of Bobby Orr or Connor McDavid, and losing multiple talents to keep somebody like Minnesota defenseman Matt Dumba isn't exactly a career booster, and he hyphenated career bo- career and booster because, wow, that makes you look so much more intelligent. Um, letting go of a goal scoring, offense boosting, fast skating, young defenseman is the opposite of career boosting. Exactly the opposite of career boosting. Well, also, um, he's also pointing. He's also using the deal that Minnesota struck with Vegas under as a, or under a former GM. Yes, as the way to. That's why you know it was foolish because he worked. They worked out this deal that okay, you can draft Tuck and then you sign Howla if you don't drive if you don't draft Dumba. And he's saying that to do it again when the expansion draft comes around would be a foolish thing. Hmm. Something about reading between the lines, you said? Yeah, okay. So he clearly would like to see the Seattle whatevers 
draft uh, or have the opportunity to get their hands on Matt Dumba? Um, so a right defenseman who is 25 years old. Yeah. Uh, $6 million salary with three years after this year. He is a right shot. Um, he has been reasonably healthy. He, he did indeed only play 32 games last year. Um, and he had a, but essentially he's played just about every game since, uh, since making, uh, the NHL, he missed a few games in the 16, 17 game season. He missed one game in the 15, 16 season, all 82 and 17, 18, 32 last year. He's at 50 already this year on a team that would make me call in sick, uh, just not to stink on ice with the rest of them. Um, he's just about to that 400, that 400 game mark. And he's got some playoff experience. Not that Minnesota has done anything useful in the playoffs, but I'm, I'm a little bit hard pressed to find where the problem with Matt Dumba is based on his play. We know that when someone gets injured, especially a lower body injury, it takes some time to get back to where they were before. It's usually close to a year, which it hasn't been yet. And usually it's at least one full off season cycle. So the injury, either the rest of that year, and then they have the next off season to get the full rest, that full portion of rest for the off season, whatever mm-hmm. it is they take, whether it's one month, two months, and then, uh, the, the cycling up to training camp shape and then game shape, uh, through, through camp and the preseason. Uh-huh. Does he have something against Dumba? Did Dumba fail to answer one of his questions or, uh, in some media scrum in the past, you know, Ooh, Jeff Baker, Jeff Baker wants Dumba. He wants Minnesota to let him go this time. As they tried to protect it, he's saying that they tried to protect him last time by letting Vegas get Tuck and Howla. Howla had himself at the time a career year. Alex Tuck as a rookie had no, no, no. But he's saying, plus. but by saying that he's not worth protecting, uh, <laughs> not Minnesota, he's not worth Minnesota protecting. Are you're interpreting it as him wanting Dumba? Yes. I'm wondering if it's not exactly the opposite. If he oh. doesn't want Dumba in Seattle for some reason. I guess if you turn them, if you turn the, 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 the mirror a certain way and get the right reflection. Yeah, I could see that. My first thought, like my first thought is he's trying to use some sort of reverse psychology. Oh, my God. Uh, who's that? Bill Guerin. Bill, yes. you can't make the same mistakes Chuck made. You have to let Dumba go in the draft. There's no need for you to hang on to him. Let him go so we can get him. <laughs> Type of thing. That's what I'm looking at it as. You're right. Uh, I, nothing in the article leads me to believe uh, Mr. Baker is that um, gifted. Ah, yes. Okay. The other part of it is interesting because I was not aware and, and I was not aware that they've actually pushed back the start of Seattle's 
NHL life. Am I reading this correctly? They pushed it back a year. The league league imposed a one-year delay launching the franchise due to construction issues. That wasn't something I had heard um, until this article, but yeah. The league imposed one-year delay launching the franchise due to construction issues, nixed any team name announcement last summer. Oh, okay. It was the – okay. This guy – maybe I shouldn't read Jeff Baker anymore because clearly I'm not understanding the way he's writing. He has a, a couple of uh, wrinkles to his communication style. There's no ex- – the, the, they had already extended it once. They had already extended it because of the construction issues. They were going to do the team name this past summer, but then they moved it to the All-Star game. Which didn't happen. Then, and then it didn't happen there either. So it says it says here he writes in his last sentence – We'll know by June whether Key Arena will host the 2021 draft. Then, between this fall and spring 2021, a head coach will be hired. Yay. Um, Between this fall, which would be 2020, and next spring, 2021. Okay, so we're looking at nine months out before they hire a coach. Anybody could be available then. Bruce Cassidy could be available. Hey, Jerry York could be available by that point. I am. <laughs> I think Jerry's Jerry's happy where he is. Jerry seems to be very happy where he is. Uh, they were talking uh, bean pot before tonight's game, and uh, he was he was glowing and gushing about his locker room. Um, uh, isn't his team ranked like fifth in the country? Something like that. I mean, yeah. is that really something to uh, is that really something to be happy about? You know, fifth. Three out of the four teams in the bean pot this year are ranked in the top fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, it, it's a whole new England. And thing actually, I think all four of them are in the top twenty. Uh, unless is BU, BU would be out there. I did, no, BU I didn't is see out a, there. I'm going to say, I didn't see a ranking on BU when they showed it. but Boston University is number 26 in the country, just beneath New Hampshire. And Nebraska-Omaha. Wow. BU is ranked worse than Nebraska-Omaha. They must be having a tough season. Um, Western Michigan is ahead of them. UMass Lowell is ahead of them. Even you, Maine, who has Western been Western Michigan terrible. has a good hockey program. You, Maine, has been terrible for most of a decade, and they're ahead of them. In fact, be, Maine is Maine is at fifteen. The Bruins have a goalie prospect up there. I understand that they have a, a goalie prospect up there, but that doesn't mean they still haven't been terrible for most of a decade. But is it is it his is he having a bad season? Uh, Mr. Swayman, I do Mr. not believe Swayman. so. Uh, but as far as the bean pot goes, um, this is going to be an interesting, interesting year. Um, mm-hmm. You look at the goaltenders. If you're going to pick purely based on goaltender, uh, you might have to go with Spencer Knight uh, and BC. 931 save percentage, 15, 7, uh, Spencer, and 0. 
Spencer Knight is, yeah, he he's. I'm not gonna say he's as good as as Caden Primo was at Northeastern, but he's a pretty good goaltender. <laughs> he was the uh, first. He was the first goalie picked at last year's draft for a reason. Um, if you're going to go based on penalty kill, you might have to go with Northeastern, who's at 82.9 percent and number four in the country. 82.9% and number four in the country for Northeastern. That, that's good coaching and guys who are paying attention to every single detail on the PK. If you're going to go with power play, mm-hmm. the Crimson are number one in the league with a 30.7. 30. <laughs> 30. Like 3-0? 3-0. And then round up almost to 31. Um, That's ridiculous. Yeah. So just based on cherry picking any three, three fairly important stats, you have three different teams who have a good shot at winning this tournament. Which is going to make it a very enjoyable tournament. Um, to go deeper into the goaltending, Harvard has... You has relied on two different goaltenders this year in Mitchell Gibson and Cameron uh, Gornett. Okay. Um, Gornett is a freshman. He's uh, 14, 7, and 4, um, and a 923 save percentage, so second best in the tur- of the four. Um, Gar- uh, Gornett is 9, uh, 3, 2, and 2, or some such, uh, with a 913. Um, interestingly, given the save, given the uh, penalty kill percentage, nor, uh, Craig uh, Patano from Northeastern has only a 9.14 save percentage. Um, I don't know if they're better at penalty kill than they are at even strength, and that's going to be something that two people I know are going to enjoy finding out next Monday. Um, and yes. then you have uh, Boston University's Sam Tucker, a senior one of multiple goalies to be played by them this year because they have had some uh, <clears throat> issues in the crease. Uh-huh. Uh, he's got a 908 save percentage. He's a senior uh, played in 19 games, uh, seven, five and five. Uh, interesting thing to note though, there's not much to choose from among the uh, goals against uh, numbers in these teams. Harvard is, I mean, uh, Boston College is clearly ahead. They're under two at 1.95. But uh, Gibson in Harvard is at 252, and Gornet is at 278. Uh, Pantano for Northeastern is 241, and Sam Tucker is a 279 uh, for BU. Um, running through the rest of the PK numbers. BC is 25th in the country at 82.1. BU is 81.7. And then Harvard is 80.2, coming in at 25, 27, and 32. So we have a good chance of seeing a lot of power play goals. Um, Yes, because all four of these these teams are ranked in the top 20. Um, We mentioned Harvard at ridiculous speed, and BC is... (laughs) Ridiculous speed, yes. 
Uh, BC is not very far behind them. Uh, they're ranked at number nine uh, at 24.5. Uh, BU is uh, 16th in the league in in uh, college at 21.6, and Northeastern at 18 is at 21.2. I mean, the one big thing is last year. Last year when we went, or year before when we went. Year before. All four goaltenders were NHL prospects. Caden yep. Primo, Otten, Jake Ottinger, Thatcher Demko, and yeah, because I remember who was it at Harvard. Um, not off the top of my head. Okay. But all four guys, all four guys were NHL prospects. We don't seem to have that this year. But I think that it's still going to be uber competitive. I mean, it's always competitive for the bean pot. It's one of those things where it, nationally it may not get. Although my understanding is that for the first time it's actually going to be televised nationally. Yeah, uh, the NHL is going to be in attendance. The, uh, the NHL network is carrying it, from what I understand. They're going to carry uh, the finals, I think. This is this is still going to be an interesting tournament because despite the fact that the student bodies turn over regularly and despite the fact that, you know, the the players turn over regularly, many of them only being at school one or two seasons, um, there is a lot of rivalry, a lot of bragging rights. These kids run into each other, uh, both the players uh, and the general student body. All the time, uh, the Battle of Comav is—it's it, just that Comav. For those of you who have not been to the Boston area, has these two schools uh, nearly as close as a pair of dunks anywhere in Boston. Uh, they're that—you <laughs> just can't—you can't go far without being able to see one of their two or a building on one of their campuses uh, if you're on Comav. Um, they're, are they even a mile apart? If they are, it's very close. Um, I, I think I have to go. I'm not even sure I can pick anyone, but I think this is smelling a lot like a BC year. You think, you don't think Northeastern is, uh, Gonna get it third year in a row. I want to say they they will simply because they've had the most success recently. But when you look at uh, BC's BC's got the best overall save percentage. They're second in both uh, second in the groups in both penalty kill and power play. That uh, that's a that's a lot of the balance of the game. Um, unless we only see unless we see games where it's always five on five or always some variety of even strength. Um, that's a big advantage. I, I would have to agree. I mean, it, it, they, I think that, it, I think that there are a lot, there's a lot, a lot to like about this tournament. I think the competition is going to be closer. I, I, I don't know. The last couple of years, Northeastern has had a stacked team. They had Gaudette, they had Sakura, they had Caden Primo in net. Uh, 
a bunch of a, a bunch of NHL prospects. I think that this year's they're kind of every, there's kind of that regression to the mean thing. I think we're going to see some really competitive, not that we haven't in the past, but I think we're going to see some really competitive games and it, even with lesser known names in net. Like I said, Ottinger and, and, I, and Thatcher Demko being NHL and, and Caden Primo with the Canadians. And I will uh, let, let me put it this way: uh, Northeastern is playing Harvard in the early game. Um, BC and BU were, have got the eight o'clock game, uh, assuming that the early game doesn't run into multiple multiple overtimes. Um, I, I will take Northeastern and BC in those two games and. After the second game, I'll tell you who is going, who I think is going to win the beanpot. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I do want to throw something in here that has nothing to do with the beanpot, but has everything to do with Jeremy Swayman. Uh, just a quick look at his numbers since you brought them up. He has a 934 save percentage. He's played in, oh, I'm sorry, he's played in 27 games, 25 starts. Um he has a 934 save percentage and a 2.28 goals against average. He is 14, 8, and 4. Uh, and oh, by the way, he's also on the ballot for Hobie Baker. Uh, that's a terrible sign. Yeah, he's not that good, apparently. No, no, no. The Hobie Baker basically is the award for peaking in college. Oh, really? So it's name not me, possible okay. that uh, name me five Hobie Baker award winners that went on to be all stars in the NHL. Go ahead. I'll wait. Uh, future one. Cal McCarr. Nope. He's not an all star yet. He will be. It, he's not an all star. Not an all star. Oh, OK. All right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's been a while. I probably couldn't name you one. I mean, is Johnny Goudreau the only guy in the league who's been both an all-star and a Hobie Baker award winner? Possibly. Did he not win the Hobie Baker, uh, I, which I thought he did. I thought I'd have to look it up. The trouble is, yeah, um, no, wait a minute. What's his name? And Oh, but he's not an all-star. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, it's the award for peaking in college. By the way, when's the last time a goaltender won the Hobie Baker is my question. Uh, wasn't that um, – I think that guy is in the league. Wasn't that um, Johnny Quick? Did Johnny Quick win Hobie? Because um, he's been an all-star. But that would still only be one. <laughs> that would still be one. There you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Fair enough. I just, I mean, this was this way. The Bruins drafted him 111th overall a couple of years ago. He's had himself a decent career up in up in Maine. I mean, the nine the the 934 save percentage, not shocking if I'm not mistaken. He was close to or around that last season as a mm-hmm. freshman. So. Uh, Okay, I have the list of Hobie Award, uh, Hobie Baker Award winners: um, Jack Eichel, Johnny Goudreau, Drew LeBlanc, Jack Connolly, Andy Meal, Blake uh, Geoffrey, Matt Gilroy, 
Kevin Porter, Ryan Duncan, Matt Carl, um, Marty Sedich. That's uh, multiple years heading back to 20, uh, 2004, 2005. But they are missing the last three or last couple of years on uh, Hockey DB. Shame, 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 shame. Um, shame, shame. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, Kale McCarr, Adam Gaudet. Will Butcher, Jimmy VC are the last four years. Jimmy VC not an all-star. Will Butcher, I don't believe an all-star. Adam Goddard, not an all-star. Will and Butcher yeah. has not been an all-star. VC has not been an all-star. Uh, okay. And Jeremy Swayman is actually a junior. Yep. He actually, he has improved every year. He had a 921 uh, as a freshman with a two seven two goals against his sophomore year, he had actually. Oh, that's who it was. The last goaltender to win. Yes. Ryan Miller. Oh, very good. He's been an all star as well. Uh, if you go back far enough, there's some guys who I think were all stars, but <laughs> I think I'm not 100 percent sure. It's a 38 year old award. Um, Chris Drury, I'm sure, was an all star at one one point. Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. But some of the other guys on this list, uh, Mike Mateau, Jason Krog, uh, Matt Carl. I don't think Matt Carl is an all-star. He played down in Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, um, in, and in Philly, if I'm not mistaken. How about Brian Holzinger? I know the name. I don't remember whether he was an all-star or not. Um, it's been a while for Brian, I believe. Junior Lassard? Uh, don't remember Lassard. You or anybody else? <laughs> Be nice. No, don't have to. Um, and uh, you had one other uh, story on here. Yeah. Um, did you? Well. One has to do with a mask. One has to do with stats. Which one do you want? Oh, the mask. I, I was uh, I was thinking of the mask, but I thought we no we, we can that's we can clean up the mask and then call it a night. Um. Yeah. Go for it. All right. Uh, as everybody knows, uh, if you don't know, uh, why? But Kobe Bryant passed away this past week. Uh, helicopter crash. Along with his daughter and seven other people, the Altabellis, uh, of which their son is a scout for the Boston Red Sox. There have been numerous tributes around the NBA, obviously, but the NHL has also made a splash uh, as far as their tributes have been to the passing of Kobe, uh, Columbus sent out just, um, I forget who knew his number 24. Number eight is Zach Wierenski. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, Nathan Gerby uh, were the only two players sent out onto the ice for pregame ceremonies. Um, but the one thing that stood out to me and I really enjoy it. If you don't on NHL.com, just search, um, John Gibson, goalie uh tribute mask or goalie mask he had one done uh to pay homage to kobe and the and the 
list of, of individuals who passed away in the crash. It's a beautiful, well-done mask. It's the front of it. It's got 24 and 8 on one side, the other. It's got the L.A. skyline. It's got three star. It's got six stars for the five championships Kobe won and his 81-point game. On the back plate, it has Kobe and his daughter standing there in silhouette with halos. But it also lists the seven other individuals that passed away, uh, the Altabelli family. Um, I believe it's Christine Mauser, um, Ch- the Chester the Chester couple, and uh, I don't know Ms. Zaboyan's first name. Sure. But it, it, it's... It really is a beautifully done mask. It's a beautifully well-done mask. The company that did it is called Shell Shock Designs. I know that he's already worn it by now, but it, it just bared mentioning because it was a sad day. And if you get a chance to look at it, it, it it's well done. It's, it's a nice tribute for... A sport that doesn't necessarily have to acknowledge it, but at the same point in time, sports are interwoven into all of our lives. And by that nature, all of sport is going to in some way have some kind of tribute. So this is John's way of of, of paying homage, and it's beautifully well done. Awesome. Uh, that's everything. Uh, next week we will be, we will have our first hand impressions of the, uh, bean pot, um, preview of the finals, which we'll also be at. Um, and there's a rumor that the two of us were considering going to an ECHL game this weekend. Uh, stay tuned to Twitter for more on that. Um, uh, my condolences to the families of all of the uh, crash victims, uh, their friends. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, share. Uh, share the show um, and share some joy with your friends and family.